Previously, a little bit leave it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island, UK in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, it's my podcasting partner and partner in life, Becca. Hey, hey, hey. We are coming to the end of season six. I feel like I'm going to be saying goodbye to some old friends. I know. Three episodes to go, including this one. So really only two more. Yeah. I mean, these last few episodes are just like so sweet. I'm really enjoying watching all the love. Well, like you said, when we were watching it, it's really gone from frat house to couples vacation at this point. It is. It's so quiet. These are mostly grown-ups left over in the house. Yeah. And hey, that reminds me, during the opening recap of the previous episode, they show that little island where Finn and Paige had their little picnic again. And I was struck by the fact that ITV must have built that dock, right? No one's building a tiny little dock on an island that small. I mean, what would the purpose be, right? What did that have to do with adults, though? I guess adults have to build the dock. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was kind of like the whole romantic and kind of couples emphasis. That's where I can see how maybe I skipped a step in the middle there. Okay. But it's a great job because it looked weathered and aged. Do you think you can buy weathered aged decks? Yeah. Or docks? Yeah, 100%. Repurposed lumber. Isn't that totally in right now? You know, obviously. Yeah, obviously you can get that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking you couldn't. Of course you can. You just go knock down somebody else's dock. I don't know where your dock went. I just happened to have a new one. That looks old. Let's start this episode. But before we get into the rest of those final dates, I just want to remind everybody, if you really love this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash littlebitleaveit and support us for as little as $2 a month. This episode starts at my least favorite time of day. To be fair, it used to be the going home and going to bed part at 4 a.m. And for a long time, it was getting up with the baby at 4 a.m. Now it's just, God damn it, why am I awake at 4 a.m.? It seemed a little unnecessary to force Luke M. and Demi up at 4 a.m., but the production schedule must go on. And really, if you're going to get up and go on a sweet-ass date, is it ever too early? Again, I just hope they got coffee and carbs. It looks like they get coffee and carbs on the date at least, plus a little alcohol. But if I were getting up at 4 a.m., I would hope it was more like the safari that Mike and Priscilla got to go on. And not a second date slash wedding ceremony. Yeah, that was a strange place. It did look like a wedding venue, as Luke M. mentions later. It was gorgeous. The gazebo on the pond with all the beautiful hot pink flowers. And it's funny because I was thinking about why it felt so much like a wedding. And that's really the only time in your life you are surrounded and expected to partake in that much force, like high level romance. Yeah. And the formality and ceremony around it all makes it seem a little bit more wedding like too, I would imagine. And the string trio. Don't forget. Oh, did they have a string trio? They did. Oh, you know, something was reminding me of the Camilla Jamie date kind of throughout this entire segment with Luke M and Demi. And I'm not sure why. Because of the string trio? I guess that must have been it. Yeah. So they talk 
as all the couples do, they reflect on their time together. She says that she was looking at old pictures and she saw pictures of her and Nas. It's funny to think of those as old pictures. Right. You know, I was thinking like, you know, her high school boyfriend, but obviously she wouldn't have access to those. Uh, And she could just see why they weren't compatible. And her and Luke M are much more compatible. You know, she puts a lot of emphasis on that. He brings her tea and cooks her breakfast every morning. Just saying. No, I'm just kidding. It does really seem to be genuine between the two of them. They talk about their folks. Will they like each other? Apparently, both families are easily swayed with a bottle of wine, in case you were wondering. Yeah, physical distance is going to be an obstacle. He's in red car. She's in Portsmouth. And I feel really bad for them because they are talking about how if they put the effort in. Oh, yeah. And go see each other. They want a future together. They want to make it work. He promises her a drawer in his wardrobe. And they're recording this in like late February 2020. They tiptoe around it as they later admit. But they both say that they don't want to date anybody else. Yeah. And while they might not have been destined to be a, you know, married couple, I do feel like these two crazy kids got a raw deal. And I wonder if they would have made it work a little bit better had they not walked out into an absolute shitstorm. Because they said that's what pulled them apart. Yeah. Yeah, it is really too bad. I agree. They weren't ready to move in together like Paige and Finn. And did Chunice and Lutie move right in together? I think pretty soon, but also distance was not quite as big a factor between the two of them because I think he was in London and she was in Bristol. You couldn't cross households anyway. That's true. You had to decide. Yeah. Paige was living with Finn's family, wasn't she? I don't even know what I was doing. No, I'm just kidding. I I do. I think Paige was living with Finn's family. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Luke M and Demi just weren't in that place yet. So yeah. Tough go, kids. Tough go indeed. And they wrap their dream date up with a slow dance and a kiss. And the Love Island producers, as they are wont to do, give us a fun segue in the middle of this date when Demi is talking about that maybe one day she would cook breakfast for Luke M. And they show us Jess preparing breakfast for Ched. I'm very impressed. It does not look like garbage. Eggs looked a little overcooked and rubbery to me, but hey. But that's not garbage. No, not garbage. We've seen worse breakfasts on this show for sure. She did not make any initials, thankfully. Yeah, she didn't cut any of the elements into weird little shapes. But the most important part was that she saw the need. He made the dinner at the weenie roast. He opened the champagne bottles. He's obviously a very giving, caring guy. And she realized the need to step it up. And that's what is important. That is personal growth right there. And Ched appreciates the effort. Yeah. That's why we're here. That is why we are here. I was actually on Twitter earlier today. Someone said, are we still on Team Faye? And I just said, hey, I'm on Team Emotional Growth and Personal Development. There you go. We also had the fun part where Ched was trying to spy on the breakfast making process. And Shawnee's was sent in to be the heavy. And she was very, very effective. Finally... Demi and Luke get back to the villa for the post-date reports. As I mentioned before, they both acknowledge in their gender chats that they discussed being exclusive without an actual spit shake on it. 
yeah, it felt pretty set to me, maybe not quite as, you know, formal a declaration as we're used to seeing on Love Island. Yeah, like I said, there was no spit shake on it. Right. Anybody could go back on their word now. So They didn't even exchange blood. I mean, come on, no blood pact? But we almost get some blood drawn as Luke M is recounting to the guys about the final date. They are attacked by a swarm of bees. The girls are very nonplussed. They're just like, what is going on? Like, a bug, I guess. They head off to the fire pit where they get... A very intriguing and mysterious text message. The boys have a secret mission. Always one of the best late Love Island bits. Yeah, this is one of my favorite routines, traditions. I don't know. Favorite things they do every single season. We've got the secret missions for the guys. And if they are successful, they win a party for the whole villa. So first... Finn is assigned to get a foot massage from someone who is not his partner. Well, the guys are doing the assignments, too. Let's be very clear. The guys know as soon as he says foot, they're like, oh, Finn. Yeah, and he decides that he is going to get Demi to give him a foot massage. Well, she's easygoing and happy to oblige. He tells her that he knows a really great technique that she can use on Luke M later and hook, line, and sinker. I love Demi, but she does seem like the type of girl who you could tell gullible is not in the dictionary, if you know what I mean. Oh, we'll get there in a minute. So someone has to throw a girl's sunglasses into the pool and get another girl to retrieve them. Yeah, this was actually pretty clever teamwork between Luke M and Ched. Yeah, so Luke M talks Demi, (laughs) good old Demi, into bombing into the pool. The subtitle said, let's bong it. But no, it was let's bomb it. And I'm assuming it just meant do a cannibal. That's what they do. Fully dressed. Ched has been wearing Shanice's sunglasses. So when he comes over to the pool to chat with Luke M, plop, they fall right in. And Demi is all too happy to retrieve her friend's sunglasses. Bada bing, bada boom. Now, this is the one I wasn't sure was going to work. When the guys decided that they were going to get Paige to retrieve five different items and they were going to have the same guy ask her for those items five times, I I didn't know if that was the best choice. But hey, Luke M, man. Well, he's so unassuming and sweet normally that he manages to get away with it. Paige does not kill him like she might have killed Mike or Finn for sure. He even gets some ribbing in there, but he does it. He gets sun cream. He gets cookies. He gets tea. Tea complete with salt. Yep. Did she do that on purpose? I didn't think she did, but it's possible. And some sunglasses. I think he managed to get six items out of her. Yeah, I don't know. He did a great job. Really, the smoothest certainly had to be Mike, who had to get kisses from every girl who was not his partner. And Priscilla doesn't even react. He gets kisses on the cheek. He takes selfies, trying to toast and laugh at his status as the game player. You know, pretty innocuous stuff. That wasn't the kind of kiss I was hoping the challenge would necessitate. Yeah, it should have been you have to get a snog from every girl who's not your partner. I would settle for a smooch. That would have been much tougher, I think. And much more entertaining. Yes, I agree. Speaking of things on people's face. Yes. Now you talked about gullible. Let's talk about gullible here because there's sweet natured and then there's gullible. And the minute this part of the challenge was texted, the guys were all like, Jess. So Luke T has to convince Jess that there's something on her face. For 60 seconds. 
And as a normal person would do, she pulls her phone out to check. And of course, there's nothing there to see. But with some support from Mike. And really all the guys, they're all kind of slowly coming over. Oh, Jess, what's on your face? He winds her up and he has her going for 60 seconds that there is some kind of weird thing on her face. And then because Demi is already in the pool, which was, again, a very smart move on the guys and Luke M. Just one by one, the guys convince their girls to get in the pool, except Paige. This is not where they expected her to be the hard ass, but Paige pages it. And finally, she is unceremoniously dumped off the lawn cushion into the pool. Thankfully, she does not have a hissy fit afterwards. Yes. And now it is time for a little bit of uh, senior citizen pool aerobics, apparently. Yeah, that was really weird. That's all I can say about that. Yeah. So text, lots of text in this episode. The boys complete the mission. Cocktails for all. Text. Shawnice and Luke T are going on a fairy tale date. Hashtag once upon a time. Hashtag fairy tales do come true. And Luke M is really excited. He says it's going to be very magical. And it is a very magical date. And they reflect on their journey in the villa together. She was his first date in the villa. What a first impression, right? Yeah. I just pulled some snippets of convo that made my heart leap. How can you explain a feeling you've never felt before? You are my fairy tale. You make me cry. Happy tears. All good stuff. Yeah. They're pretty much the model Love Island couple. I think if anybody wants to know how to build a strong relationship, you should just watch this season and that's how you do it. Clearly. That's how you do it. So then we get a glimpse. So you were saying the other day that Shawnice is super broody and I was like, oh no, she just loves the idea. But you were right. I was wrong. Enjoy it now. Yeah, no. Shawnice says she wants to be married with four kids within five years. That's busy. Yeah, Luke M tells her that's every nine months, you know, we're having another baby. And she's like, but it's worth it. No, girl, you do not know what pregnancy does to your body. Trust me on this one. Have one. See how it goes. But then it's the main event. Luke M tells her, when I'm with you, I feel at home and I really do think I love you. Shawnice returns the volley. She says, I just look at you and I think I love him. And then she says it directly. I love you. Yeah, that was some grown up shit, man. Mature warning. Yeah. Mature content in this episode. Water aerobics, heartfelt declarations of love. Yeah, nobody under 40 should be watching this. So then to wrap up another beautiful date, he asks her to dance. She accepts, but she misses a big opportunity here to say 100% dance is my passion. Yeah, that would have been the only way this episode could have gotten any better. There were a lot of callbacks to our previous episode titles, previous deep dives throughout this episode. I'm beginning to think we did a good job with this podcast. I think so. While Shanice and Luke T are off playing Lord and Lady of the Manor, Chad asks the boys a very serious question. Chad asks the guys, are you feminists? Luke M. readily agrees. And Finn does not even know what a feminist is. Chad gives the correct definition. A feminist is somebody who believes men and women should have equal rights. Thankfully, Finn agrees that he is a feminist. Now, a feminist 
Is that something to do with the feminine qualities? I don't know. I think it's just Finn being 20 and kind of a blockhead. Yeah, that's what I thought. But upsettingly, Mike says nothing or Mike is shown saying nothing or maybe there's a ghost voice that we didn't attribute to Mike. It was a very short scene. I did not hear him say anything, though. I don't know if that's because he doesn't support it or just edited weird. Yeah. We'll give Mike the benefit of the doubt because I don't think you can be with a girl like Priscilla and not believe in equal rights. Yeah. She's the shit. Yeah, she certainly has no qualms about standing up for herself, which is nice. Yes. So Shawnee and Luke T return while the gang is in the dressing room getting primped for the evening. They break up into their gender chats. Luke T says he spilled the beans. And of course, by that, he means he told Shawnee that he loves her. Now, did you catch who said, oh, what are you doing? I did not, but the reaction between the guys and the girls, those different reactions where the guys are basically like, okay, it's over for you now, man. That's it. Which was so surprising because these guys have been so supportive of moving relationships along. Obviously, it was a joke. Yeah, that's just guys being guys with each other. I did not read anything in it. Actually, I think that the reactions, while they may have superficially been very different, I think that in reality, they're very similar. Well, I would have liked to hear the boys do a high-pitched shriek, but that's what we got from the girls. Demi can't cope. Made me miss Leanne a little bit, who could never cope either. But it's true. Everybody's happy for them, and that's where they should be. Now, another Love Island classic. Yeah, another tradition. I mean, this is a really jam-packed episode, but I guess they have to kind of keep this kind of stuff up, given that there's so little drama going on at this point. This episode has everything gazebos, feminists, pools, men bench pressing their girlfriends. Yeah. So everybody busts out their talent. And with some of those people, that word is genuine. And with some, it's in quotation marks. Yeah. Mike plays the drums. Demi says he's basically Phil Collins. Mike says, I was terrible, but I definitely had fun. He has very basic, competent drumming abilities. Actually, I would say that, you know, his drumming looked about like yours or your brother's. Your brother actually may be a little better. But... No, my brother knows how to drum. I know how to play rock band. Yeah. But no, you can play. You can keep a beat. So I would give Mike a six and a half out of ten. Yeah. Priscilla gives us a little dance routine. Wah, 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 wah. Hang on a minute. All right, I'm minimizing that a little bit. It was very cool. Priscilla does a bomb-ass choreographed dance routine. It's very clearly from a dance team or a cheerleading team or a sorority or something. Yeah. This is obviously something she already knew and has already performed. And it was really good. And she kicks some ass at it. I think Priscilla gets a nine. Okay, wow. Priscilla brings it. She was my second favorite. And then Luke M plays the guitar. We don't see or hear too much of it, but we do see all the couples dancing. I was left wondering, what song is it? Is he singing or is he just playing guitar? Well, Luke T tells us it was great and that's all we'll ever know. Yes, and he is the music boy with unreal eyes. We'll give him a five just for existing. Jess and Chad, well, I don't know. They lead a fitness class? Yeah, they do a fitness routine. It's so bad that it's bad. Yeah. But I did appreciate Ched doing the push-ups with Jess on his back and doing the bench presses. They had fun. Yeah, they definitely had a lot of fun. But I still give them a six. Finn comes out and he sings terribly. Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers. Great song. But points for the costume, the shower cap, the loofah, the towel. So we'll give Finn a friendly four. 
Yeah, and I'd also say that Finn just doesn't know how to sing. It's not that he has a bad voice. He could learn how to sing and probably have a good voice. Yeah, he had a nice bass going on there. It wasn't too out of tune. Yeah. Then Demi comes down and gives a history quiz. Dirty history. Dirty history quiz in a white lab coat. Well, I guess like the Dr. Indiana Jones kind of thing, right? Isn't he a doctorate? Well, of, of like anthropology yeah, well, so or something. She's, a, she's in history and archaeology. Oh, yeah. He's an archaeologist. Yeah, yeah that's Yeah, and that's right. what she does. So I think she was going for like that. And, and her last name is Jones. No time for love, Dr. Jones. Oh, man. So good. She looks hot as hell. The group really enjoyed it. I'm hoping there was more than one question. I give her a seven. She knew how to play to her crowd. She's followed by Shawnice and Luke T., Now, that is what I call a choreographed dance team routine. Yeah, well, they had the matching outfits. They were in sync. Well, there were two of them. So, I mean, that makes it more team than just one person. Well, yeah, but they were an actual team. Yes, they had the choreographed outfits. I mean, Jess and Ched were a team, but they were not in sync and their outfits didn't go. So this is what a team effort should look like. So I give them a 10 out of 10. It was awesome. Yeah. Hands down the best one. Ooh, hands down. So I thought they were very, very good. I would put them second to Paige, who closes out the talent show singing Show Me Love by Robin S. I just thought that for somebody who makes her money being a singer, she could have showcased her voice a little bit better. I like that song, but that song is also helped by a great like music track. Yeah, I get that criticism. You know, she could have picked something that really showed off her pipes, but she does a great job singing the song. And hey, this isn't a professional showcase she's just singing a song she loves i really love that song too so i was a fan but i get the criticism so i guess we'll agree nine and a half okay 9.75 so Paige or shawnee's and luke t win in our heart with priscilla as a second slash third yeah but in the actual episode for some reason jess and ched somehow win I guess there was enough talent where they didn't want to give the win to anybody with an actual talent. I also think that it might have been prearranged because the prize is... A Night in the Hideaway. Paige and Finn, Shawnice and Luke T, and Mike and Priscilla have already gone to the hideaway. And Luke M and Demi are the least experienced couple. Well, they have the least amount of time together. Right. So that would make Jess and Ched the obvious choice for the hideaway. Yeah. So I don't know how much, quote unquote, deciding on a winner the Islanders really did. Yeah. Like a number of votes this season, there is reason to be suspicious. But Jess looks awesome. Ched is ready to go hang out with his sweet one. And the guys declare that Breakfast Club will be meeting tomorrow. But we will have to wait for the next episode to hear that Breakfast Club report. We will also see the results of the favorite couple vote to determine who is going to the final. Yeah, only four out of five of these couples will make it to the final episode. But at least that fifth couple does get to stick around and watch the final. They don't have to go home right away, so that's nice. You don't have to go home, but you can't play here. And that wraps it up for this recap. So let's do a quick word from our sponsor. Have you subscribed to Miranda, the third fastest growing name-based streaming service in North America? Because if you have, 
You've got the right to remain entertained by our new exclusive series and specials. Miranda Lambert is back, and this time she's brought Adam Lambert, Christopher Lambert, and a lamb named Bert for an unforgettable recreation of Bob Dylan's famous concert at the Newport Folk Festival in 1965. It's the Miranda Lambert All Lambert Band featuring a lamb, and it's only available on Miranda. It will be Flag Day every day when you join Lin-Manuel Miranda for his special series, Flagging My Friends, where each episode features Mr. Miranda celebrating or talking about a different flag, or sometimes he just walks by carrying a flag, or drives by a flag and it's in the background as we watch him run errands, relax in his living room, or sleep comfortably in his bed, having no idea he's being filmed and it's only available on Miranda. And did you say you want tales of true crime and other inspiring documentaries? Because we've got them. Ham on Rye, the Rufus Rutterman story, has taken the lunch world by storm, and you don't want to miss the exciting sequel debuting in just a few weeks. A sandwich by any other name. It's only available on Miranda. And that's not all. You've enjoyed endlessly re-watching the first three seasons of the incredible and exciting British reality series, Friend Island. And now, Miranda is extremely pleased to announce that we are the exclusive home for Friend Island USA. That's right, your favorite reality show is coming stateside this September, and it's only available on Miranda. Miranda, where you have the right to remain entertained. Today, we are very excited to have with us MX Billy Joe Gibson from the 0151 Club Scouse Cast. Billy, welcome to Little Bit Leave It. Thank you for coming. Can you tell us what your podcast is about? It's basically like a podcast like me. It's fighting for scousers. And it's something I just wanted to do during lockdown. But um, because of my ADHD, I tend to only do episodes when my head's not chocker with other things. But it's basically just like a podcast about scouse culture, some like bevies, scram, politics, the footy. Just just music, various things about Liverpool, really, to be honest. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned Liverpool. Now, most of our listeners are American. We do have some Canadian listeners, a few British listeners, and actually a bunch of Indian listeners Ooh, as well. So I'm glad you mentioned Liverpool because I'm not sure everybody who listens knows that Scousers are uh, from the Liverpool area. So thanks for mentioning that. Now, what, by the way, yeah, is... Scousers are from Liverpool, yeah. <laughs> what's what's scram i think i understood the rest of that but what is scram so scram is basically just like scouse slang for food so bevies is alcohol scram's foods uh footy is the football which is what you guys over there call soccer so uh scram food that's a new one for me the others like bevies i knew footy i knew primarily from love island where does the name of your podcast come from uh, so 0151 is basically like Liverpool's telephone codes and I just thought, well, nobody has seemed to take a podcast with 0151 in it, so I'll be the first. That makes sense and I totally identify with the 
ADHD. I also have that diagnosis myself. Hence why we couldn't find the cord. Yeah, hence why we couldn't find that cable. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's. One big question. Is there something that you would call like Scouse culture or Scouser culture? And if so, like how would you define that? Oh, um, it's basically... I'd send it out to like explain it to like non-British people. Scouse culture is quite a broad thing. It can be anything from like the type of music we typically like to listen to, or it can be like a certain way the lads dress. So, um, typically, Scouse lads like, especially what we call like scallies around here, they tend to like dress wearing the North Face and Under Armour. And um, everybody in Liverpool at the minute is particularly obsessed with these nice trainees called we call Bontens, but everywhere else is just Air Max ninety five. And also, like I think the footy is a big part of it as well, because it's always that rivalry. Like, oh, like you're the red, you're the blue, or uh, Everton is tragic, Liverpool are magic, or then the Everton people go, well, actually, excuse my language, cop I took up chasing. It's like, hey, 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 stop arguing. Yeah, you're at Premier League teams, but. At the end of the day, like you should be supporting one another one when you get knocked out of your UEFA Championship and that, you know what I mean? But yeah, Scouse culture is quite broad. But I'd say, like, what most British people think about Scousers is they've got this negative stereotype of us where they're all like, oh, d- don't trust him. He's gonna, like, steal your car keys, take it for the joyrides, and smash it up. And that's not necessarily the case. That's interesting that you mentioned that. So there's a different show, different British reality show we've watched, The Circle. You may be familiar with that one. And I think it was the second season they had a scouser, James, one of the best characters or contestants on the show. But people, once they found out that he was from Liverpool, did you notice that they were they became more skeptical of his motivations? Well, to be fair, he was lying the whole time. Yeah. He was portraying a young single mom. Obviously, you have a pretty distinct accent, which is really cool and can be hard for my poor, sad ears. Are there parts of the area that are more audibly scouse? How does that break down? So basically, uh, the way it works is if you get like like really, really south Liverpool, it tends to be like a little bit softer. Like you wouldn't really notice that it was scouse. But as soon as you, like, get back towards the city or, like, up north of, towards near Bootle, where I live, it becomes, like, really, really strong. Like, you know, all right, kids, are we doing now? Are we blah, blah, blah? Do you know what I mean? But then, like, it just kind of, like, softens out, like, the further you get away from Liverpool. Except for the north, Liverpool, that's the only exception. And then, don't even start me about Birkholm, man. So, this is town over the Mersey uh, called Birkenhead. And they just plazzy scousers. The accents over there is like imitation scouts on like level a million. You you don't even want to go there. So like you said it's like an imitation. It's, yeah. So <laughs> oh god, how do I like? So <laughs> basically, um, it's it's just like a scouse like in joke to call people from Birkenhead and like the little like plazzy scousers because like. Birkin, that's like the really poor part of the world. And then like in the middle, you've got like all the really posh, like mansion-y parts and the woods and that. And they they talk like snobby scouts, just like, do you know what I mean? And it's just one of them. And it's like, 
You're not one of us. You're not from Liverpool. It's like you're Lord Snoozy of Oxfordshire. That kind of thing. That's <laughs> awesome. I guess it's kind of like upper middle class white people like co-opting more urban. Yeah, it's. I was thinking it's almost like rich gentrifiers in Williamsburg adopting thick Brooklyn accents. Billy, what are your favorite things about Liverpool and like the Liverpool area? I'd say my favorite things about like Liverpool. Obviously, number one's always for Scouse culture because. You know, I've got to have a pair of 110s, haven't I? Yeah, uh, my beloved white 110s, which I ruined uh, by going to Crosby Beach to take photos at the Ironman. Yeah, that was for a photo competition back in February. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I regretted going to the beach in my 110s, to be honest. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, a, a thing I really love about Liverpool um, is actually one of my mates, Peter, who um, was... I had chef at a pub called The Ship and Mitre, and he used to give out, like, free scouse on Wednesdays. Now, for people who don't know what scouse is, not only is it an accent and a culture, but it's also a dish that scousers nicked from the Norwegians. Like, because back in the slave trade and that, like, Liverpool was just a tiny little fishing port village, and um, the Norwegians came in and they made this dish called lobscouse. It's basically like meat and potato stew with vegetables in it. But like a really nice version compared to Lancashire hot pots. And then the scousers just had the taste and were like, yeah, we're having this. And then you just nicked it and ran away with it. Um, so yes, yeah, the scouse dish, really, really nice. I think another favourite thing as well is probably some of the architecture. Because in town... It's quite weird because, like, at the bottom of town by the docks by Man Island, you've got these tall, asymmetrical, futuristic black buildings. And then two minutes away, you've got the Albert Docks, which uh, was on World Heritage status, but it got removed because China voted us off. Oh, China, you know. <laughs> and then um, I think another thing that I really like about Liverpool in general is just how, like, kind and friendly the people tend to be. I mean, yeah, you do get scallies, like, going round, scrambling bikes, 3, 4 a.m. on, like, Saturday morning in the summer. And, yeah, the, the busies, which is Scouts for Police, by the way, don't really tend to do much about it because you don't want to spend all the time and effort chasing the scrambling bikes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Scouts apparently are, like, the kindest and funniest people in all of the UK. Who would have known? Yeah. That's, I mean, that seems the, to be the reputation in it, you know. Oh, and I've just remembered as well, the e-scooters as well. Yeah, so um, basically, it, all over the UK, they're doing like, this huge trial scheme with certain different companies to test like uh, rental e-scooters. Like you can get over abroad in like, Paris and Germany and Barcelona and all that. And uh, over there, they've got this company called Voy, who runs it. So I've been like using the orange e-scooters quite a lot, um, even though they are a bit expensive to hire though. Um, it's nice just to cruise around town on them, like, round the docks and that. Um, I ended up buying my own later, like, about three, four months after using them because I wanted to save on the money. And then as soon as I got over on the train to New Brighton, which is over on the Whittle, to ride down the promenade, um, I very nearly, like, crashed into a bus stop in the middle of a cycle path. So I was trying to swerve the bus stop and I crashed and then some car rang the police on me and they seized me e-scooter on me. Because uh, they used some chief excuse of, oh, there's no insurance available for this thing. So technically what you're doing is legal. But I wasn't aware. But, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I hope. Did you get to keep the scooter? No, no. They took it off me. <gasps> oh. Confiscated it. It's a huge crackdown, apparently. 
Oh my god! That's uh, he tries to get people done for having no insurance on him. Um, insurance so, on it? You yeah. need insurance on it? Yeah, apparently you can only get private land insurance for these uh, newfangled discuses unless you're on the trial scheme, which is really weird. And that's why it confused me. Because I thought, because the trial discuses were out, and I'd saw other people, like, riding their own, like, armies and, like, pure scooters, I thought that it'd be fine for me to buy my own. I always think that, you know, we're not, very friendly to e-scooters and stuff like that here, but it actually sounds like in Liverpool, it might be worse. Um, so you mentioned Scouse the dish. Yeah. Are yeah. there any other types of like foods or maybe pubs or restaurants, you know, that people should really visit and experience when they're in Liverpool that are kind of special to Liverpool? Once it's safe, of course. I would have said the ship of mice, <laughs> but me mates literally handed in his notice for head chef. Um, oh. I think other than that, um, I really like Maggie Foo's on Hanover Street. Um, so it's basically like this meat, uh, rice and ramen place. It's cheaper than Wagamama's. And um, the cups that they serve, the soft drinks, and they're actually so good that people actually smuggle them out too much. And um, they've made a post about it on the Liverpool Echo, which is the the city's national, not national, but it's the city's newspaper, but it's run by Mancunians next door over in Manchester, because it's all owned by a national org. Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, uh, Maggie Foo's, like, they've had too many people smuggling up the soft drinks cups because of the boss design on them. So they're having to sell them for like £2 a pop now. So um, when I went the other week, I was considering smuggling it out. And then I was like, actually, no, these guys are saving money. So I went up to the counter. I'm like, I'm having this. Yeah, it's two quid. Go ahead. And I just walked out the door with my cup. That's quite <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, the ramen's really good. Um, I've not tried the other dishes, though, because I've only been in there once. Um, they've got a Maggie Foo's on a Smithdown, I believe. So I might need to give that one a visit next. In terms of other places, the only thing I can think of are like major chains, like in the UK. Um, I'm just trying to think of what's local that I like. Um, that's not major chains. Yeah, one of the things that surprised me, I didn't know until recently that a lot of the pubs in the UK are actually all owned by a handful of corporations. So, yeah, so the main one I go to um, is Weatherspoons. So even though I am a democratic socialist, I don't like Tim Martin, and Tim Martin's is the guy who owns Spoons, which is what we call Weatherspoons for short. Um, the only reason I go is because I know that some Spoons employees go on strike, and I also know that if I don't go to Spoons, they're not going to get the hours needed to get the wage. So I go to Spoons to support the workers. Other than Weatherspoons, there's um, Gideon King, but they're more on the pricier side. They also run the, uh, the Hungry Horse chain. And then there's, uh, I think it's Stonegate or Stonehouse. Might be both, can't remember. Um, one of them does like a carvery type thing where it's the pub and then they do the carvery on a Sunday. The other's just like pubs. They do tend to be owned by like a handful of corporations and that's the result of capitalism to be honest because you know people getting greedy 
especially St. Martin, you know. You know, it's interesting you hear, to hear you say that about Weatherspoons. I ran into some conversations online. I was reading some old discussion threads, and there were other people on the left who were basically saying that, yeah, we know that the owner is a jerk, but um, that, like you're saying, that the working conditions at Spoons may actually be better than a lot of the other ones. And, you know, a lot of those other ones are large corporations and you can actually get, you know, something out of an individual owner that maybe you're less likely to get out of a, a corporation. So um, it's interesting to hear you say that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are big comedy nerds, I guess less since we moved to the suburbs and had kids and kind of became boring and old. But we it's really cool that you were talking about, you know, this comedy scene. Is there a specific Scouse sense of humor? Like, um, I think Scouse humor, it largely depends on the person. Um, I run a, a subreddit called Scouse Memes, which is basically like, it's a Scouse culture subreddit, but it's memes about Liverpool, but it's quite dead, to be honest, because I haven't really uploaded any new content. But I think it's just like in-jokes, like, oh, your Marcel's Avon, or the... Uh, your dad's a supermarket DJ, calls himself Tiesco, that kind of stuff. It's just all in-jokes and that. One of my favourite accounts actually on Twitter is called No Context Scouse. And the person behind that, I don't know who it is, but they're always coming up with the boss's content. And it, I just, I keep having to retweet it on my Twitter. I think one of my favourite things they've done recently is probably the Stephen Gerrard compilation. Where they just like get loads of like clip from Steven Gerrard where he's literally just saying yeah yeah of course and then they always uh, like start the tweet with so do you fancy going up a place to stay mate and then they'll put the Steven Gerrard video underneath and they'll be like yeah yeah of course yeah yeah of course yeah of course mate yeah of course so <laughs> it's fun and them nice but that, that's cool because like maybe we'll definitely check that out now and uh try to put it in context for ourselves I guess <laughs> and and by the way for our Listeners, uh, Steven Gerrard is a football. Yeah, that's a, so. Is he still? Uh, is he still a a player on the team, or is he a coach now? Um, I don't know because I don't really follow Liverpool that much. I'm a Toffee, so away. <laughs> and the Toffee is a slang for Evertonian or Everton fan. Oh, okay. All right, so you're an Everton supporter. Yeah, yeah, that's um, Everton supporter. And to settle the records, copites are absolutely gobshites. Okay. <laughs> Excuse my language. But nope, it's okay. It has no, to be said. A, it absolutely has to be said. This is a uh, not safe for work podcast. We tried to keep it like, you know, generally for all audiences at first. But hey, it's about Love Island. Come on. Sugar. We, I'm sorry. We did a whole deep dive on British kink. It yeah. has never been safe. Actually, that's right. Our third episode was all about fetishes. So you mentioned uh, the going down to the docks. What other... Yeah, yeah. So what other areas, what neighborhoods might you recommend people walk through to get a better sense of what it's really like to live in Liverpool? So basically, like a lot of time, people are like, oh, just go down the docks. Because it's like number one thing where the tourists go, you've got... Beatles Saudi, you've got the Tate Museum, which is where all the artists, um, you've got the Museum of Liverpool, the Maritime Museum, uh, the Slavery Museum. But honestly, I'd say, like, if you want to get a feel for Liverpool, 
I'd say go down Bolt Street. Start at the top where the Bombadil churches are, St Luke's. And then you can either go straight down Bolt Street, which is where all the loads of decent food places are. Or you can just go left and go down Chinatown. Because with Chinatown as well, you can cut through Chinatown to get to the Baltic Triangle. Which is where like most of like or the hipster creative people are. Yeah, it's it's unique. There's a market there called the Baltic Market. They've got the food market as well there. They've got the Baltic Green, which is basically like this small to mediumish like park. It's like a mini park. And people have just like made these sculptures out of cardboard and it's so nice to just like sit and have your lunch there. Oh yeah, Jamaica Street Skate Park as well. Um, and another thing is we've also got like um quite a few venues, like music venues and clubs down here, the Baltic Triangle as well. But I think I'd only recommend going there if like that's your kind of vibe because it's a bit off track, beating off the track, if you know what I mean. Oh, I think a lot of I mean, our listeners like that kind of stuff. So what, I mean, when you yeah, say yeah, that, yeah. what do you mean? Like, is it, what kind of music, what kind of scene is it? So it... Hangar 34, which is one of the music venues, they tend to put on like a variety of shows there. So it can range from anything from rock, like basements, uh, to uh, stuff like UK Drag Race. So um, I've seen both basements and the United Kingdoms at Hangar 34, and it was really sound. Um, now, I haven't really been into any others other than Camp and Fairness. Um, but I only went to Camp and Fairness when Liverpool Comic Con was on before COVID and they had the after party there. That was really great, actually. But yeah. So in terms of other touristy areas, um, I'd say, like, Chinatown and Baltic's a good shout if you're looking for, like, interesting. But if you're just looking for standards, I'd say either the docks or, like, the St George's Quarter because you've got, like, uh, St George's all... Then you got the Walker Art Gallery and the World Museum. And then Liverpool Central Library is just absolutely massive, man. Like, you go in and there's, like, one, two, three floors of, like, books and computers and stuff. And then they've got the pics and reading room and you go in and it's like you're taken into another dimension. And then they've also got the Hornby Library as well. I do love a good library. I do love good library tourism, too. Yeah, Beck was a librarian for a while. 11 years? 11 years. Wow. So yeah, we've wow. we've taken our fair share of vacations that included a library tour. Um, so you mentioned the Beatles. So I feel like now I'm going to launch into it. Do you get a lot? Is there a lot of Beatles tourism? Is that still a huge deal? Absolutely. Uh, Matthew Street is an absolute tourist trap for that because Matthew Street is home of the Beatles. So you've got like bars like Rubber Soul. There's another Beatles museum on Matthew Street, actually. I've not been in it. Um, but I think they tried to go in. And I've actually been in the, the pub where they used to um, drink. And I actually sat in the bench where they all sat and had a pint there. So it's really nice. But again, it's tourist trap. So if you're willing to like pay sky high prices just to experience it like the Beatles, then go ahead, feel free. But I wouldn't really recommend Matthew Street unless you're a massive Beatles fan. Thanks again to MX Billy Joe Gibson of 0151 Scousecast for coming on the show. We really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Billy. 
Love learning about Liverpool. Beyond just the Beatles. Yes. So, Beck, I think it's that time. It is time for the very, very abbreviated TNA report. Do 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 do. The TNA report. It's so brief, it only gets one do do do. Good one. Good one. Yeah, I only actually had one big plus with a kind of sub plus to it. And unusual for me, I'm going to give a bathing suit compliment. I thought Mike's pink bathing suit was very, very cool looking. Yeah, great color and Priscilla matched. They look awesome. That was my sub plus was Priscilla matching it. I liked Luke M's really intricately patterned date shirt. There was some coral in there, like a little bit of like turquoise or teal. It was interesting. It was different. It was a good boyfriend shirt. I really loved Shawnee's low cut red bathing suit. Yeah, that was actually a really cool bathing suit. And then I want to give Priscilla's talent night outfit a whoop whoop. For the buckles and chains. Yeah. And when she's reacting to Paige singing, you can see she has a tongue ring. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I know. So whoop whoop for Priscilla's naughty secret tongue ring. Now, I wonder if she brought that outfit with her or that was from wardrobe. I would hope it's from wardrobe. It seems like an odd thing to pack. Yeah, I know. Well, we are seeing the Islanders now recycling some of their own clothes, like the outfits that Shonice and Luke T use on their dates. I think we've seen before. I'm pretty sure we have. Yeah. And I liked Luke T's outfit the first time he wore it. I liked it again today. Just didn't feel a need to, you know, bring it up. But I did anyway, I guess. All right. On that note, shall we rank the couples? Is that a question? Yes, we should. Okay. So because there's no losers here today, let's do what we did last time and rank from the bottom up. So at least the people ranked last get to be mentioned first. Yeah, we don't want them to have their feelings hurt when they are listening to this podcast. So coming in at number five, we love you guys, but Finn and Paige, you're at the bottom this episode. Yeah, their performances... Well, Paige was great, but Finn was just not good. Delightfully not good. Yeah. But someone had to be at the bottom. And Paige refused to get into the swimming pool on her own, so. So yeah, take that. At number four, it's Mike and Priscilla. No real reason other than they had their moment in the sun, literally, last week. Yeah, yeah. At number three, it's Jess and Chet. Coasting in the middle. Yeah, they won the contest, go to the hideaway. Good Jess and Shed Jess episode. Had, Jess did an act of service. Yeah, there we go. At number two, it's Luke, M and Demi. They make it exclusive. They have a lovely date. Yeah, and Luke M has a fantastic performance in The Secret Missions. He does not get murdered by Paige. And at number one, I don't think there was any other choice for this episode. It's Luke T and Shonice. I mean, really, if you weren't going to give them first place for this, do you even have a heart? Bibbity, bobbity, boo. Okay, well, we are all done here. If you liked it, if you hated it, if you were completely bored or indifferent to it, you can reach us on social media. Yeah, I'm at LBLI podcast on Twitter. I'm at LBLI peng. You can find me lurking about on Facebook. I'm mostly doing stuff in the season seven group, so I don't talk much, but I'm there. I am somewhat active when I can be on the Love Island subreddit. Of course, Love Island UK only. Who do you think we are, Americans? And you can email us at littlebitleaveitpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. I mean, I guess we would. We would tolerate hearing from you. And if you say something interesting... 
we will claim your thoughts as our own. No, I'm just kidding. If you say something interesting, we can read it on the podcast. If you want. Yeah. If you're confessing a murder, then we won't. Yeah. And it probably needs to be Love Island related, too. <laughs> Not the murder. I mean, what you tell us. <laughs> Alrighty. From Staten Island. To Love Island. Send in the fudge.